Hey everyone, welcome to the MIT Podcast. I'm Giuseppe Santamaria, the photographer behind Men in This Town and editor of MIT Magazine. I'm just coming off a high after celebrating the release of my third book this week, Alone in a Crowd. The response so far has been unreal and I cannot thank everyone enough for their support. The book is available now through all major bookstores worldwide and online. Now onto the podcast. Today's portrait session happened by chance after meeting Jay Hooper here at Finefellow. Him and his friends were visiting from New York City for a few days and popped in for a browse around the shop. His personal style caught my eye right away, but it was after a couple of minutes of chatting, I knew I wanted to pick his brain even more. So I pulled out my mic and got recording. Enjoy the conversation. My name is Jay Hooper. Uh, I am currently a student. Um, and actually a professional student, if I may say so, as I'm working towards my doctoral degree. Great, amazing. How old are you? I am 32. 32, awesome. And how long have you been in school? How long have you been doing that? Oh my gosh, I've, I've actually been in school for probably a little bit more over than 10 years. Right. Now, yeah. Is there something that's kind of keeping you there? Is it, you know, there's a lot of young people that would kind of just say, screw school, but what's keeping you kind of there? And, um, my, I realized that my work as an artist, I mean, I, I, started, off, I started off as a visual artist mm. and then I moved into, um, moved into the academy much later because I realized that the fields that I was interested in required a different kind of strategic move. Mm. Um, I was in education for 10 years, taught, right. and in doing that, mm. I was always going, I was kind of always in and out of school and I encouraged my kids to do the same thing, to yeah. go to school and if not, you know, to do something that really made them happy because I understood the importance of being an artist. Yeah. But I realized that even through that lens, that kind of encouragement, I had to also do the same work that I was telling my students to do. And so that's how I ended up staying kind of into this role. And I quit education completely, um, got involved, tried to get involved with a few nonprofits um, because I had a background, a master's in uh, nonprofit administration. All right. And then, uh, Pursued uh, later on, pursued a uh, master's in theology, mm. uh, only to get involved in probably a lot of interfaith work with the UN, yeah, yeah, and uh, using artist ritual and taking that and finding those intersections, uh, and now uh, and then actually earned my doctoral of ministry, doing that work, and uh, continued uh, to look at ritual from performance and, and performance theory which put me in this MFA program where now I've been accepted now at Ohio University uh, to do a PhD. <laughs> is there somebody that inspired you to kind of go into this direction or is it just some stuff that you picked up kind of over time? You, you know, um, I will be honest, I, I, have a, I have a wonderful life partner mm -hmm. who, if it wasn't for her, I honestly, we were sitting in the house in our, in our home in Baltimore and she said I didn't keep my promise. And my promise was to be this incredible preacher. Mm. Um, and so I look at my work very simple. Um, I could title myself a preacher, but it really doesn't work that way mm. because my work as a preacher doesn't exist. Right. So, and that's my art form. My art is in the preaching, but it's not this kind of conversation around just God and theology. Mm. It's social justice. It's about human rights. Right, right. It's about elevated conscience. and. No, it's not new age. It's what we do naturally. Yeah. We just want to see Human. good in the world. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. So that's how, um, so after that, I basically, you know, said, 
you're right. And so I continued and went right back to school after, uh, after sitting in Baltimore, I went right back to New York and studied at Union Theological Seminary. Amazing. My goodness. <laughs> I guess going way, way back, what was your child like? Your childhood life. What, what was oh, your wow. life? Oh, wow. Yeah, I grew up in a very conservative home. Hmm. Um, and um, my mother was a minister. My father kind of did this media kind of work. But at the same time, too, like, both my parents were artists. Hmm. My mother, um, she was an image consultant in New York. Um, my father did what at the time uh, what was called graphic design which was printmaking and printworking mm. uh, for large companies like NBC right. and um, and so you know I, I one of the I think one of the things that kind of sits with me if I was to think of something that was very iconic um, I always think of a real real a, what? a real to real and so it's 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 this very large looking ancient tape deck mm. Uh, it was it was our MP3 at the time, hmm. MP3 player at the time, and, and and everything. But what it is is these gigantic wheels that kind of rotate into the other, and uh, it looks like a large cassette tape. And I remember my father playing that all the time. Hmm. I looked forward to it every day, and it was my moment to be fully creative, and kind of release all of that creative tension that was kind of bubbling up inside of me. So whether that meant I was singing, or dancing or acting or drawing, all of that worked together and kind of created this mesh mm. of work. Um, and yeah, my life being very involved in, you know, in, in, a, in a religious upbringing, I used a lot of those skills in that yeah. and kind of found my way echoing voices around spirituality and, 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 and also looking at the way that people act as in three ways, honestly, from a creative, you know, from creative language to body language to oral language, right. all of those are important in our in, in our in our storytelling. Yeah, yeah. I guess one of the things that attracted me to you as you came into this shop was your style. Was <laughs> that something that you kind of had as your creativity outlet when you were younger at all, or how did your style evolve? Um, I blame my fashion on my mother. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Don't blame. <laughs> um, no, you know, I, I mean, it, it, it was it was grooming. I mean, I, I was I was very involved in a lot of high end fashion at, at a young age. I was exposed to a lot of different designers. Yeah. Um, my uncle worked for Bill Blass. He was a designer. Um, and with my father being very involved with tailoring. So for me, um, I, you know, growing up looking at people like Fred Astaire hmm. and noticing a bow tie tied around his waist instead of a belt. <laughs> it's kind of like that was, okay, I can do that. And so I'm wearing a bow tie around my waist in school. I. Hmm was very you know I, I looked at sammy davis and i and, and i was and i grew up you know having i mean i was in high school walking around with a cane uh i did <laughs> i love that and you have to have an air of confidence to do that don't you did, yeah you, did you always have that confidence no you know? it, no I, like i honestly today i i, I you know uh, if, if, it, if it is appropriate to say so, I can say I, 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 I'm, I'm scared shitless of myself every day. Even now? Even now. Even yeah. now. Because, but I know I have to be fair to myself hmm. because I worry about two things. Yeah, I, can, I worry about the, the, the thing on the outside, but then two, I'm like, how is that? Not a, I think about like for a moment, I'm like, how is that going to be perceived? How is it going to hmm. be understood? How is it going to be read? And I think like that for a moment, but then I realize I'm like, I'm not being honest with myself if I try to answer to what society's standards are. Mm. 
I have mm. to respond to the creative self, which is which is in me, and and kind of release that which it, which kind of holds what I feel holds us all together and puts us in conversation. And so I like to see myself as kind of an art piece mm. um, and walk around. Um, and not that there is any other particular statement than unpacking you know, the true understanding of how I walk around as an individual, how I walk around as a man, right. how I walk around as a man of color, mm. you know, in spaces that often don't see or experience that kind of imagination. Right. You know, it's, it, it is, it, it is, it's, it's a full on real performance. It's not something that I, I this is an everyday thing. Right. And it is your expression of yeah. kind of who you are inside. Mm -hmm. And that's changed throughout the years. I mean, yeah. that's your style has evolved and so have you. And I guess that's been your kind of reflection yeah. of society. And what yeah, I mean, it, it, it is just, it's been this embodiment. Um, I, I, I slowly embodied the things that also I learned. Mm. Uh, and, and really putting, and I put in conversation myself with society as well as practice my own theories. Mm. So when I'm writing about masculinity and what does it look like, those are the things that I impose on my own self so that I can experience them and also, talk, and, and also tell a story that is based on an internal kind of auto-ethnographical kind of story about my life mm -hmm. and how I move through the world and encouraging others to do the same. What does masculinity look like to you? What does it mean to you? Um, masculinity is a, you know, I, I like to say that there's a sense of magical masculinity with me. I, I like this idea that we, we have our sense of uh, magic. Hmm. Um, definitely for me, it is, it is intertwined with a lot of, a lot of uh, self-reflection. I, don't, I, don't, I think masculinity is, 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 is more so the, is really being able to answer both to, yes, your feminine hmm. energy, as well as All what right. we consider masculine. And I think we, 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 what, we, what we're looking to do sometimes is like, how, what we're trying to define is manhood <laughs> instead yeah. of a lot of times our masculinity because those things are energies that just move through us. Right. Uh, and so what, I've, what I have found is that when I define masculinity, I am very interested in the intellect. And I'm interested in the spiritual component that makes up that intellect. So there's right. a spiritual intelligence that kind of comes along with unpacking masculinity. Right. What was your relationship with your father like? Did that influence at all when you, know, you were younger? How you look at it, masculinity now? Yeah. You know, my dad. My dad was a very was a man who didn't speak much. Mm. Um, very silent. Worked hard. He worked about three jobs a day. Um, and for me myself, I honestly. Um, you know, our relationship was present, but unspoken. Mm. And you got that. Yeah, yeah it's it's it was it was, a, it was it, but there was always holding space, mm. always holding space. And so, me and my father honestly did not have an actual physical, emotional, loving relationship and bond until I started. Honestly until he made a decision to leave Richmond, Virginia in, mm. the, in the United States. And where you grew up or yes, where he grew up? Where, where I grew up and, mo and moved to uh, Baltimore, Maryland in the mm. United States. Um, and it changed him because I, had, I basically had, I had to encourage him 
to make a decision to remove some some areas that were hindering him mm. from being the the man that he needed to be mm. in life, and that you know that that required for him to look at his the way that he had um, ha, you know had his marriage and the way that he had lived his life, and so we ended up with an incredible bond where my father yeah. admires the the not only the artist that I am, not only the the educator that I am, but at the same time, you know, respecting the overall totality of my manhood. Yeah. Which is you know, which is which is huge. Back to your style here. What are you wearing today? Okay. Um so I'm wearing a Paisley print shirt, believe it or not, that was given to me by my dad because it didn't fit him. Oh. Um, oh, I, I love it. <laughs> he looked in his closet and he said, I, you know, I'm going to give this to you. I said, all right, that's fine. Um, I'll take it. Um, so this Paisley print shirt and um, a vest that I have found at a thrift shop, which goes to a three-piece suit from the 70s. Right, right. right. <laughs> there you go. Make your own. <laughs> and um, a kilt um, that I um, found online, beautifully pleated with uh, folded-out pockets. And along with that, um, wonderful accessories. Um, a lot of which you create. Yes. Yeah. So um, I have a bracelet that I that I made here, um, and it's um, it was a, a maquette um, that um, that my mother had had, and I had to recreate it. Mm. Um, and so um, made out of sterling silver, as well as this is the um, this is a, a piece that my wife found when she went out to. Um, oh gosh, she went on vacation with her father, and it, it just was something that, yeah, like, I was just like, I, when she brought it, I was like, oh my god, I love this. You what know? is it? It's a cuff it's, type it, of Yeah, it's a cuff. Yeah. It is an alligator. Right. Alligator stomach. And, um, <laughs> and then, um, kind of funny enough, um, you know, uh, being that I'm per monkey Native American, I was able to find this piece while I was in uh, North Carolina in the Highlands. Right. Um, Kakua nuts from Hawaii. They are nuts. I was wondering. Yes. 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 <laughs> um, and so then I have this wonderful piece. This is this means more to me. So most people, yes, of course, get hooked on the marriage ring and the marriage band. Mm. Uh, these are this is my marriage piece. Like this is. Right. It, it, I, I don't I don't think there's a way to kind of describe the kind of marriage I have. It is a piece. It is a much uh, a very vital piece in my life. So this is a piece that we found from an artist uh, when we were in Brooklyn. Um, and um, my partner has the same one, uh, so it echoes, uh, but it's right. a smaller version. Yeah. Um, and it has its own kind of aesthetic, so it's slightly a little different, even though it's designed very similarly. Um, this is a stone um, that, that, um, that she picked up along the way. We have a love for stones. Yeah, right. Uh, <laughs> and epoxy. Uh, this right here, my, one of my favorite pieces, uh, which um, was picked up during a, uh, a, a film shoot that she was doing. So my wife kind of has decked me out, you know, in some ways too, right? Uh, this is a legba, which is uh, an orisha from um, uh, the African-based tradition of Lakumi uh, Yoruba tradition. Mm. Um, and because I'm not a fan of wearing crosses, uh, I have a sacred heart here that I did the maquette to. Right. Um, and so this is a maquette of a, of, of, yes, a heart with thorns around it. So. I'm not, like I said, uh, the cross is kind of this torture device. Um, and so I was like, you know, when we talk about Christianity, we also deal with a lot of ideas around empire and oppression. And so I'm like, why would we use a cross instead of really use something that is a symbolic artistic piece Absolutely. that represents right. like this kind of everlasting love? I don't mm. see it in a cross. I just don't. 
Um, and so um, this is the best way to kind of represent that. Um, of course, I have uh, my, prayer, my Buddhist prayer beads. And this came from uh, Zimbabwe, right. which is a friend, of my, uh, a friend of mine who gave this to me. So I, yeah, I'm layered uh, to a variety of different <laughs> places. Um, I, I, I have to say that, yeah, like nothing other than, you know, my belt. Uh, and you'll notice a lot of shells that I have around me. And these are all representations of Elegba, right. uh, which is kind of, I, I'm, you know, a part of that spiritual tradition where we are, you know, where I've kind of gotten used to being this, uh, if you will, kind of spiritual son mm. to this Orisha who is all about pathways and opening up doorways and closing right. them. Mm. Um, and so, and I think that's been my life. My life has always been in kind of this open and closed doors and never knowing what to kind of expect, but also being a trickster to, to also the, 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 the kind of oppositional gaze, if you will, right, right. of the public. And people are like, what is that? What's going on? Why does he look like that? Why? And then putting them into question about who they are. Definitely men. Men come up to me immediately and we'll, we'll have conversations and we are unpacking not only questions about me, hmm. but really those questions reflect you know that the, those deeper parts that need to be answered for themselves absolutely and, and I'm like so that. happy yeah. to you know to kind of feel like I'm in a place that is healthy and steadfast and unmovable where I can honestly deliver honest answers and be very clear with you know the man that I like to present in the world right.